Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. Welcome to the end of the month, August 31st. We are glad that you are with us as we prepare to enter a new school year. And we are going to be taking this episode to talk a little bit about a youth culture moment, something that we've seen emerge, something that Jordan and I have noticed, uh, or something that we've come across uh, together. And Jordan, you are also a subscriber to this email chain, but as an additional resource for you, listener, if you are interested in this sort of topic, really want to recommend going not just to CPYU, but to access.com, correct? Org. That's a dot org. Yes. Access.org. A-X-I-S. And they have a weekly newsletter that is sent out concerning different things that is observed in culture, things that are students are engaged with. You'll get music videos. You'll get, um, I think there's like a slang of the week thing where they try and help you define new terminology that's being used with the youths out there. We're going to be talking about a point from earlier this month that we had seen as we're recording this. So for us here, this just came out this week. But for you listening in real time, you can go back into the archives on access.org and probably find it. But we're going to be talking about the use of social media as a search engine. And I've got to say, ever since we read this article, Jordan, I'm still kind of intrigued by how this works. And it still makes entire and complete sense to me. Yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons that we're covering this is because this is a representative of a large shift that's happening in just how students and younger generations are utilizing information and how to get information. Uh, one that wasn't quite anticipated by the leaders of the tech companies. Um, so as just a little bit of a uh, overview for you, uh, what we came across was an article that was talking about how students, especially younger generations, are, are using things like TikTok to find recommendations for places to eat, different things like that. Um, Dan was even noting that it was beyond just social media, but also like product searches going to Amazon instead of just Google. And mm -hmm. so the response was from uh, this article that came out from, from Google, just all this work that they'd put into trying to develop all these things seems to possibly be missing the younger generation. Um, as they're going a different direction, which has been kind of interesting to see. Yeah. And Jordan, I don't know what your preferred search engine is. I have Google Chrome, so I just am able to type in what I'm looking for in the, the URL bar and can search right from there. So I don't even go to Google. It's just right there on the, the search engine. But to go to someplace like Amazon, right, or even like opening up my phone to the Amazon app when I'm looking for things like... Uh, house products, games, 
uh, yard games, things of that sort. Like, I'll just go right to Amazon. And I, I kind of laughed when we were talking about this before we hit record the stats here. And this is uh, TechCrunch Plus. You can find this. Uh, this is the study that Google revealed to them saying that 55% of people, when they're looking for products, go straight to Amazon. And you had said that that stat seems a little low to you. And I'll say that, yeah, it does seem a little low. It makes sense just to go right to Amazon. But I think people like to be able to shop around instead of going to Jeffrey Bezos for everything that they need. Right. For me personally, and not everybody does things like me, I'd imagine there's a contingency of older generations that are, might just, just go to Google right away, and that might be where the other percentage is happening. Um, but I know like, if I can't find it on Amazon, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it elsewhere, because most of the times when I search on Google, it points me right to Amazon anyways. So right. it's kind of like I start there, Um yeah. So, I mean, the Amazon one makes sense to me a little bit more than the TikTok thing that they were talking about, because they were saying like right. so many students are using TikTok, especially for like food things and new mm-hmm. places and information. And what they were saying is that uh, the students are are turning there because instead of just finding new places, uh, do you have the quote from that article? Because I'm I'm on the like Google or the actual I could article, pull it up, so. but you keep you keep going. All right. So, anyways, um, I'm scrolling while I'm talking here. So, it says that they're looking for things that would be curated to what they would like already. And so, I think that's kind of the interesting layer of this as I'm looking at this and interacting with this, just like exposed to it today. Um, mm-hmm. Students are just are drawn to maybe something that's comfortable. I don't know if it's a comfort thing necessarily, but like familiar. So in a sense, this is just one more way that we're allowing algorithms to kind of direct our lives a little bit. Does that make sense? You know, instead of like, instead of exploring like the hole in the wall that might be down the street, unless that's kind of your penchant already, um, that might be something you miss simply because the algorithm gives you things that you already have kind of, gravitated to and right. i know there's this we we talk about the fear of missing out a little bit and and that's a thing and this is kind of a different animal but at the same time i wonder if we're not missing experiences that can broaden our horizons because we tend to look to something that is so tailored to us right well and i think about the differences i have the quote here and this is from the axis email newsletter that was sent out. Gen Z tends to see search engine technology as a personal assistant rather than a static respiratory of data or repository of data. (laughs) Respiratory, that's very different. As such, they will use the tool that caters to them the most individually when it comes to finding information. Put another way, teens don't want a list of lunch places. They want to know which lunch place they will like. And their favorite social media platforms happen to already know lots of their preferences. And I think about that um, even recently. Like, my wife and I are preparing to celebrate our anniversary. And we're going to go find a place in Stillwater, Minnesota. Great little town, if you are in the area. And we're going to go find a place to eat there. And, you know, looking around in Stillwater, this is kind of the 
almost touristy trap. Like, as you come into Minnesota from Wisconsin, welcome mm-hmm. to Minnesota. Enjoy our tourism. This is the town for that. And it's a very beautiful town. So it's no wonder that there's all sorts of places to eat. But looking there, I'm looking at all of these breweries, all of these sports bars, all of these wood-fire pizza places, all of these bistros and things like that. And I'm seeing, you know, not just the pictures, like, does this food look good? Is the price range within our budget? I'm also looking at, you know, how many reviews it has online. So there's a lot of things that you can find already just on on Google mm-hmm. when you do a cursory search just on your phone. But when you're using your phone to like a place like TikTok and people are taking pictures and putting a hashtag uh, of where they're eating and, t- and geotagging that post, right? You can see hey, here's this restaurant in this city. This is what I ordered. Doesn't this look good? And this is why it makes complete sense to me because a lot of times I will order food because I see it getting carried past me in a restaurant or I'll see a picture there on the the menu. And I know that sounds petty, but you know, usually I'm just going to get a burger at these places anyway. So if there's a burger that looks, or you know, even going and asking the people that are working there, um, you know, what's good? And getting that input, you know, these are people that probably eat at the place they work more often than not. So they have a pretty good sense of like, hey, this is actually really good. And maybe you should order it this way. And that's, but even just doing like a search like this, you, like what you said, you get to miss out on a lot of potential new discoveries. Maybe there's a hole in the wall restaurant that is just amazing, that has just incredible fish tacos that you wouldn't have ever discovered because you just are looking at all of these reviews or all of these other pictures and it's not visited that often. So there, there's this element here as we go through this, um, the 3D resource from CPYU of this, where we've discovered this element of culture. We see uh, that it's being used. And the stat on this, by the way, um, 18 to 24 year olds the, that Google is discovering, 40% of them are using social media as a search engine. Instead of going right to Google, they will go to TikTok or Instagram and find things of this sort. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that doesn't seem too surprising to me, but Jordan, how would we go about discerning this information, this discovery of youth culture in our world today? Well, first of all, I think we can explore like why this matters. Um, and why this matters can be a couple of things. One is, first of all, like I understand why Google's reporting on this because if they're looking at 40% of people who are going elsewhere than their service, which they have worked so hard to kind of monopolize the search engine, mm-hmm. um, that that's going to hit their revenue pretty pretty significantly. So I understand like why they're pointing out, and they're even in the TechCrunch article it was even talking about like Google Maps, for example, and saying that most of the people who are coming online have never seen a paper map. And so <laughs> they built oh, Google Maps to kind of be like a paper map on your phone. But this you, younger have, generation... Have you, yeah. have you ever road tripped? You, can't, you haven't road tripped if you haven't spread out a paper map on the hood of your car and argued about where you're at with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so... So that's a thing, and then they're also. You ever print out? A, you ever print out a map quest? Oh, yeah. You haven't. You haven't road tripped until you print out a map quest. I am very grateful uh, for, for that, that we've moved 
that we've moved past map quest phase. yes this this has made it a lot easier to look at because i'm also visual and map quest <laughs> i was much more text and i don't remember numbers well so it's like okay turn left on i-72 and i'm just like okay i-72 i-72 and you can only do that for so many hours and that's just like yeah yeah so i'm and 100 just and 102 in 102 miles, turn right. Well, how many miles are left? Like, that was my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you'd always have to reset the trip on your odometer. <laughs> but right. anyway, I'm going to stop interrupting and let you get on with it. Sure, sure. So anyways, with the map thing, um, Google then is looking at this and saying, like, since it's been designed to look at a map that's been stuck on the phone, younger people, that's not their expectation. They're in the world. They're looking around. And so they're saying that, now they're working on figuring out how do we make this more um, augmented reality where you can like look at the buildings around instead of trying to figure out, okay, I'm following this blue line. Does this mean left or right? What does that mean? You know, which makes total sense to someone who's used to using like a, a physical map, but mm-hmm. for someone who's foreign to that, that might not be different. So anyways, um, all that to say, Google is really reaching to try to figure out how do we get people back um, but also, as far as students, like we, we talked about, this is kind of representing a fundamental shift of how they're getting information again. And that's important for us to be aware of, because this isn't just talking about shopping. It's not just talking about restaurants. But as you highlighted earlier in our conversation prior to recording, um, there's impact on, on where students are going to get their theology, right? And if they're depending so much on stuff that's curated and tailored to them, then the caution is going to be that the search results are going to continue to feed them kind of what they're already wanting to hear. So like this echo chamber. And and we could look at what do we want to hear? Well, we want to hear things about how good we are. We want to hear things about how I'm going to be okay no matter what, how God is loving and stuff. I don't think that you're going to have a really high return on just like you're a sinner who is damned to hell if you don't have Jesus and accept his forgiveness. Um, Mm. And that's like a core tenet of theology, right? So teaching our students to, first of all, understand like there is a, there's a price to pay if we live our life allowing ourselves to be controlled by an algorithm that like an algorithm Mm. is no replacement for discernment. And sometimes we can, we can rely a little bit too much on that. Um, so we need to do the work of how do we teach discernment? How do we expose them to these different ideas if, if everything that they're in is kind of tailored to them anyways? Um, and that also has implications for us as we think about how do we, how do we craft our, our youth times together, right? If they're looking for something that's so tailored to them, how do we make an environment that's welcoming enough, that cares enough about them, that they're interested and not driven away right away, but also is able to push at some of these different things. Um, and I think that's going to be one of the real big strengths of, of relationship um, that we can explore as well. Is there a little bit of that algorithm when we decide where we're going to worship? Oh, for we're sure. Looking, we're looking at these elements. We want this and we want this. And we basically want something that's crafted specifically to us. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't consider, you know, different elements that are important to you when you decide where to worship when you move into a new place. But you think about why people decide to worship where they do. And it's, you know, thankfully, we've got people that are saying, we want a place that teaches the Bible, like strong theological foundation of we want the Bible taught 
in, in all of its fullness entirely. Tell us that we're sinners. Tell us that Jesus saved us from our sins. Give us the gospel. That's what people want. At the same time, you also have people that are looking at what is the worship style? Is the community someplace that it's easy to get into? You know, when you're trying to crack into some kind of fellowship like that, it can be really hard because churches can be a little clicky, uh, especially smaller churches, you know, because they've been together for how many generations and, you know, how many potlucks. Sometimes it's hard to crack through that shell. There's other times too where um, you know you're looking for something like uh, small groups or is there an active ch- children's ministry and what's the staff like and do they have this kind of ministry and this kind of ministry and all of a sudden um, there was a I forget who said this so apologies if this was you if you find a church that fits a hundred percent of your bill if it's a hundred percent of what you're looking for what you found is probably not a church right there's there's going to be elements that frustrate you at every place you worship. Uh, there's going to be things that you wish that you could do, and that's maybe something that God has placed on your heart to try and encourage and grow the church in that direction. But, you know, it's <laughs> this element of how much of the algorithm do we need to live by and how much of this is something that we can change. Because I'll tell you right now, we are at a time in history where the algorithm can get things incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Google could recommend something to you or uh, you could try something that was recommended to you or even a suggestion from a friend saying, oh, you would love this. And it's not anywhere close to something that you would enjoy. Uh, mutual friend of ours, going to shout out Nick Olson, said, you should try out this place, this restaurant. It's like, and it's great. Taco Taxi on Lake Street, Minneapolis. Great little hole in the wall place to go get tacos. And he said, you would absolutely love this. And I'll tell you right now, Jordan. Cow tongue tacos are not as good as he thought they were. <laughs> sure. I did try it. I did. Yes, I did try it. And I will say it tastes a little bit like pork, but it, to Nick's words, I said, it's the texture. I, I just can't get over the texture. Yeah. It's the snack that licks you back. Like, yep. ugh, ugh, ugh. The, that sensation of taste buds <laughs> that are not your own is interesting. <laughs> I, I have had that. Uh, all of that to say, though, we, we, have, um, we have to be discerning as leaders, as people who are shepherds of the people God has placed in our care. And as we discern this, right, um, when you go to search engine, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't. Um, I use Google a lot when I'm trying to find information. But at the same time, you have to go beyond whatever the first page of results is. Like That's good research, not just what's presented to you right away. But going deeper, what are other people saying? What is the general consensus of this? Finding places that you trust and then moving forward with this. Because when you have theological terms that are difficult to understand, like if you're trying to find out what sanctification is or justification or anything like that, right? Big theological terms that are important to our faith, uh, key doctrines, and you're trying to figure out what this term means, you, you have to we can't trust the first page of Google mm-hmm. to, to help our kids define what that is. We have to be the ones that are speaking the truth into their lives, helping them understand what that is. So it's left for us here to decide what to do here. This third element of this 3d resource from CPYU. As we look at this information, as we've discerned what is going on here a little bit, what do we, how do we move forward, Jordan? 
Well, I think one important thing, too, to consider as we're looking mm. at the reality of where our students go to to get information is, one, modeling. And, and what I mean by that is how often do we go back to the word? Is the word present in our conversation? Is it present in our, in our content? And I'm not saying, like, fill your life with Jesus jukes. That's, I mean, as fun as that can be, that's not necessarily it. But, I mean, going back to the word is the authority, the word is a resource. So if a student's having a question, you know, you're having a conversation and they're talking about, yeah, this thing happened at school. And you're like, you know, that makes me think of the situation that Paul found himself in, in Ephesus mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Um, and so we need to be exposed to the word ourself because that's that's what we draw from. But when we do that, what we get to do is we get to interject into a student's life like a pattern of, okay, I'm not just Googling solutions. I'm going to the word to find solutions, to find what God has to say about this. Because as mm-hmm. brilliant as Google can be, even at finding some of those obscure verses, like I know this is something, I- I've used Google as my, um, oh, what's that in the back? Concordance several times. You know, I just start typing part of the verse and it was like, okay, five different translations. Yep, that's the one. Yep. Um, but we want to model that so that students can get into a habit of thinking. I wonder what the word says about this. So that's one thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, too, we want to recognize the the tendency of, of students. And I think we need to confess that this this is us, too. We like to go where we're comfortable. Um, so we need to, to be intentional about exposing students to difficult ideas that they might not get otherwise. Right? You know, you're not going to... I, I, well, I think <clears throat> this comes across... Um, if, if a student is a churched student that's grown up that way their whole life, um, a lot of times they can leave ministries without having been exposed to difficult questions because their life has been around assuming these things are true. They've been fed this kind of from their youth and they haven't really evaluated difficult questions. I was listening to uh, a podcast that um, Sean McDowell was on. Uh, I think it was like the Word and Youth Ministry. And he was talking about, like, it was when I was a late teenager, um, all of a sudden I started seeing these people who were like scientists and were professors and they were responding to my dad's content, like kind of ripping it apart. And that made me question like, whoa, there's there's smart people who don't agree with this. And I wonder why. And I wonder what's true. Um, and I think that was good for him because he learned that early. But I think some of our students don't get exposed to that until later. And then they're kind of drifting without necessarily support system at that time so how do we expose them to some of these tough thoughts that they might not come across and the other side of that is some of them might be coming across it already right you know we could think of like deconstruction stuff happening and and so they look into that and or even just gender stuff you know that's one of the scary things is that once you start going down that gender ideation pathway on like youtube you can find this community you can find this content kind of pushing you that direction and we don't want them to go that way either. So we can say, you know, this is what these people are saying, but then come back to this is what is true. Um, so I think that's a place to start. But I'm not the only one who gets to decide. What what would you decide on this? I think do- it is helpful to see the value of other input, like where kids are getting information. And a lot of that is online. But, you know, the connections, the personal relationships that they build are going to be the ones that really stick with people 
like the meaningful relationships with other caring adults. So as far as how to decide how to proceed forward, my primary focus, I think, would be um, in addition to what you've said, connecting them to the word, here's what God's word says, here's how it informs how we ought to live, um, to be able to connect them with other Christians who have a different opinion, who might have a different angle, right? Because you think of the diversity within the church. Um, I want to be mindful of that. I want to try and encourage that kind of relationship to happen and for those conversations to happen. But I also want to recognize here that as we're looking at this, you're talking about forming a worldview. And for most of our students, that worldview, the, the foundation of that worldview, those footings are basically established by the time they're 12, 13 years old. And from then on, it's really more of a informing them on ethics and morals. So having that conversation as a leader to be able to say, coming into our time together as youth ministry, right? This is where our kids are at. Whatever they've grown up with, whatever they've been exposed to has basically helped structure their worldview. Something could happen down the road that could radically change that. Probably not, you know, or, or maybe so, who knows? But I want to be able to inform and teach in a way that is best reflective of what they're actively trying to pursue. Yeah. So um, trying to connect them with other Christians. I also want to help show them how to be discerning with content. So you're talking a lot about apologetics. Um, you're talking a lot about um, ethics and morals and trying to figure out what does the world say? Why does this matter? How do we proceed forward? Not just as a good member of our community, but like as somebody that actually cares about what's going on in the world around us. So, yeah. What about you in addition here as we, as we start to wrap up? Well, I think I kind of covered what I thought. Okay. So I'll just, <laughs> that's why I'll just wrap up. Then. So <laughs> Wasn't sure if you had more to add or, or not. So no, that's all right. So yeah. Um, all right. But yeah, I, I hope that for, for you listener, this has been something that's been encouraging just to consider um, or to consider just some of the things going on in our culture and in the news right now. You know, it's it's pretty easy to breeze through a, an article that talks about like Google searches aren't quite what they used to be and 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 miss like what the implications might be for our students. Um, but we want to look holistically at the world too, and and so you know, be be listening at what's going around in your context and your community. Um, some of these other reports that you know do impact how we talk with students, how we connect with students, and how students' lives are. Are being lived um, so that we can be the most helpful we can to to continue to faithfully point them to Jesus. So with that, we pray that you would be encouraged and that you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.